Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the director of Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism Europe, AFCO, Joachim Yuchland. Welcome to Upward Way. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here and uh, I'm excited to be able to share a little bit of what God has been doing in my life with you all that are listening in here today. It's my joy and my delight to have you here to share with, with us, as you say, your exciting story. Just to start up before I delve deep into your background, many persons may not be so familiar with what goes on at Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism that we refer to as AFCO. So could you just share with us, Elizabeth, what is AFCO about before you even tell us what your role is? Yes, sure. I'm yeah, happy to do that. Uh, so Amazing Facts is a ministry based in the U.S. Well, we're associated with them, and this is the mission school that they have here in Europe. So the main thing we do is four-month-long mission training, where we focus on training people to be able to share the gospel through preaching, through Bible studies, through personal evangelism. A slogan we, we use sometimes is training tomorrow's soul winners today. And it's really a blessing to see how young people, especially other people also, they come and they learn. They learn how to share this message with other, others and they get excited when they see how God is working in people's lives. So we're also working together with a very active local church that have, actually is a new church plant or it just became a church from being a church plant. Yeah, so they see how, how we can reach out or even in secular Europe and secular Sweden, you can still reach people today. Training persons. In my head, I'm still thinking tomorrow's leaders today, but you say tomorrow's evangelists today? Yes, evangelists or soul winners. As it relates to your work now as director, what does that entail, let's say, on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm coordinating the whole program, uh, making the curriculum, contacting all the teachers, teaching myself and mentoring and we are kind of in the beginning phase, so I have a little bit more hat than I may have later. So I'm also doing some of the, you know, accounting and things like this um, until we might have more people involved in the team. Uh, we're basically starting up. So it's kind of like almost like starting a new ministry, although it has existed in the past in Europe. It's a new start here in a new place. That's a little bit of what I'm doing. I'm going to pull something from what you said as I transition into your own personal faith journey you said that even in europe you know we can win souls for the master so where and how did your own personal faith journey begin good question i could talk a lot about that i will share at least some of the highlights i'm a fifth generation adventist i grew up in a good seventh day adventist christian home I always went to church pretty much. I always believed in God and in the Bible. I knew quite a bit about our message. I went to Pathfinders, to Sabbath school, to, to different events. And um, I had a lot of knowledge about, you know, what we believe in and read Bible stories and different books, you know, at a young age. But I would say it was when I was around 15 years old that I got converted, that I truly became a Christian myself. A lot happened between year 15 and, and 19 for me. Before that, I thought it was, you know, somewhat boring, you know, with Christianity and going to church. I was kind of embarrassed to be a Christian. I didn't want my classmates to know that I was a Christian. But then when God really changed my life, he went from being something boring to something beautiful. And instead of being embarrassed, I started to be excited and I wanted to share with everyone instead of not wanting them to know what I believed, you know. Some key things that happened that turned things around for me was one thing was when I was 15, I decided to, to read the Bible through in a year. I started to read the Bible every day. I took time in the Word of God in prayer. I hadn't read so much. You know, I took it to church, but I started to read every day. And as I did, God started to really work in my life and transform my life. I also joined a Bible study group um, that studied the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation that year. 
And I really saw like, wow, we have some really good reasons to believe in the Bible foretold all these things hundreds and hundreds of years in advance, perfectly fulfilled in history. So the Bible, getting into the word of God, that was a key thing. And as I did, I started to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. And the thing is this, you know, God doesn't have grandchildren. You can be born in a Christian family, but no one is born a Christian. Some put it like this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian more than standing in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> and I believe there's some truth to that. Of course, it can help you to become a Christian going to church. It's a good thing and I think an important thing. But when I started to read in the Word of God, and that's like what food is to the body, according to the Bible, according to Jesus, the Word of God is to the soul. He said in Matthew 4, for men do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need spiritual food every day. So when I started to get spiritual food every day, I started to develop a living relationship with God. God is a personal God. He wants to get to know you and me. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. He wants to be an active part of our lives. And that's what I started to experience as I started to spend that daily time. And when that happened, Christianity started to become much more interesting and powerful and beautiful and exciting. I started to realize like, hey, the Bible, when you think about it, It's a message from the creator of the universe, our creator and redeemer. He wants to speak to you and me through this book. Imagine if you got a letter from the king or the president of your country. I would be curious to read it, you know, like, whoa, this is from the king of the universe. And he wants to speak to you personally. He wants to guide you personally through this book. I value the Bible more than anything else in this world. I wouldn't exchange what I found in this book for anything because this is like the greatest treasure in this world. One specific event that was one of the most life-transforming events of my life was when I was 16 years old. I was studying at this Adventist uh, junior college in Norway, a boarding school there, and we had an unforgettable week of prayer. There was a missionary there, a pastor from South America, and he was sharing powerful messages evening after evening. He was sharing stories of answered prayers, of angels protections of powerful divine appointments how god opened up opportunities to start tv channels to spread the gospel and powerful open doors to share the word of god with people and when i heard this i was like wow this is amazing the story sounded like they could have been taken straight out of the book of acts in the bible i'm like whoa i haven't heard anything like this before this is cool and he made a clean stay after the day and you know, the students, most of us were 16 through 18 years old. We were like, wow, we answered our appeals and, and we wanted to seek God as never before. We wanted to commit our lives to God as never before. We wanted to join the Lord's army. We were like Isaiah, you know, God, God, here am I, send me, <laughs> send me. And God did powerful things. The most powerful part of that, that week was probably the, the, the Sabbath and the divine service. I've never felt, I think, the Holy Spirit so powerfully present as during that meeting. So what happened was, it was the divine service, it was the final sermon of the week, and a couple non-Christians, they were up sharing their testimonies up front. I had an atheist from my class sitting there with tears in her eyes. God was really speaking. In the end of the meeting, I don't know if there was any dry eye in the audience. There was stories and testimonies of how God had worked during that week. A suicidal person came there, and he was on his way to freedom. The preacher stayed after the sermon for for many hours without any food, just counseling with people that came there that wanted to ask and, you know, get input. One thing that happened was that he made an appeal during the service. He had this garbage bin below the pulpit. And he made an appeal, especially to the students, to go to their rooms if they had something in their lives that would be in their way, that would counteract what God wanted to do in them and through them and God's relationship with them. Maybe movies, maybe games, maybe music that was not glorifying God and not edifying to them. So many students went to their dorm rooms in the middle of the service, the divine service. They went to the dorm rooms and they picked up these things that we wanted to get rid of from our lives and went into the church and threw it in that garbage bin right below the pulpit. Actually, what what sparked this appeal was a few days before, it started with a non-believer 
that had actually been convicted. She needed to get rid of some stuff from her life, some metal music and some things that wasn't glorifying God and having a positive influence in her life. And as she and her friend, they were throwing out some things, they were getting rid of, you know, these death symbols and all this bad stuff in, in their life, uh, you know, not good things. One of them, very interesting, an atheist, as she trashed her last object that she wanted to get rid of, she literally felt an electric power run through her body all the way out to her toes. And in tears and amazement, she realized that she had been healed from the agonizing chronic back pain that she had been enduring for four plus months, causing her to limp as she was cleaning this out. And, you know, stories like this, people heard this and are like, wow, this was the biggest revival they had on that Christian school for decades. And this was one of the most life-changing experiences of my life, certainly, and I'm eternally grateful. And in short, after that, basically, so this was when I was 16. Next summer, I went to my first mission trip, which was in Peru. When I was 17, I started preaching, which was not something uh, people expected that I would do. People that knew me since I was little, uh, I was kind of shy and so on. I started preaching more and more. I started giving Bible studies with lots of people, actually. Everyone I could start a Bible with at school that I met when I traveled. I started to share what I learned everywhere. Like, man, this is amazing. This is a treasure. People need to know these things. Then I got involved in organizing mission trips and starting a number of ministries and just exciting things. I like to put it like this. I view it as an acronym. It works well in English. Faith, fantastic adventures in trusting him. Fantastic adventures in trusting him. So basically the key things that transform my life, I started to get into the word of God every day. I started to take that personal relationship with God and seek God first. And then surrender and mission work. When I got involved in serving God and God's mission, which is a very exciting thing to be involved in, my Christianity really came alive and God became much more real. I started to see answered prayers. I started to see miracles. God at work in a way I had never done before. It's nothing else I would rather do than serving God as he leads me. So yeah, I guess that's few of the highlights of my story. Faith, fantastic adventures in trusting him. You mentioned miracles and answers to prayer. And, you know, sometimes people will wonder, does God really answer prayers today? I mean, does God really speak to us as he spoke to Moses, Elijah, and so on? So I want to give you an opportunity to share what are some of those miracles and answers to prayers that you have really experienced well, any or all of them, if you wish. Yes, yes, thank you. You know, I like what it says in Hebrews 13. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same today. He's the God of the Bible. He is alive and well today. And he, he's not that God that is uninterested, that, is not, that doesn't care. He cares about you. He wants to be actively involved in your life. And the longer I've served God and been involved in his mission, the more I've seen that it's true. It's the same today. He's working today. And getting to know missionaries around the world as I travel also in different mission projects. There are so many stories and so many examples. One of them was we had this mission trip, impact mission trip. This is one key ministry I've been a lot involved in last years. We started in Norway, a group of young people. Most of us were teenagers. We had never, never been involved in anything like this, but we wanted to, to serve God. We started to organize these mission trips. And eventually it has spread now to 10 different countries across Europe. And it's really been an amazing to see how God has worked. He has done things we would have never imagined. Yeah, many miracles in connection with that ministry and that development. We do different type of mission work. One thing, we went door to door and we try to talk with people and find people who are interested in, you know, learning more about the Bible or coming to some of our health events and so on. One testimony we had on one of those trips was two people from our team, when we did this in Norway one time, they met this guy and he told them his story, quite interesting story. He said he had been a Muslim for a while. He had been a Christian for a, for a while, but he was kind of confused. He's like, what should I believe? Is it God? Is it Allah? Is it Buddha? What is the truth? And he prayed, God, please let me know. What is the truth? What should I believe? Who are you? you know? And then he went to bed. He went to sleep. And that very night, after earnestly praying that prayer, after seeking and not knowing where to go, earnestly praying that prayer, goes to sleep and he has a dream. Long story short, in that dream, he sees... Jesus. When he wakes up that morning, basically he gives his life to Jesus. He, he accepts Jesus. He becomes a Christian. 
a few hours later, two of our impact missionaries knock at his door. Can you imagine? Probably the best day of his life to knock at his door. And they offer some, some books, you know, they want some Christian books. And of course, you know, he has become a Christian. And you can imagine they were very happy when they went from there, when they left that door to see like, whoa, God worked. He went before us to prepare the way. So that's one story. Another story, this is one of my first, I would say, answer prayers. After this week of prayer, when I was 16, we heard about this mission trip to Peru. And I was like, man, me and, me and my friends, we want to go there. This sounds like great. You know, we want to serve God. We want to be part of a large army. But I had two problems. One thing was you had to be 18 to go there. I was 16. The second one, it was expensive. This was far away from Norway, Peru, like three-week trip. It was, I don't know, uh, what was that? Uh, maybe 1,500 euro or something. I didn't have the money. I was a student. I didn't have work. I was like, man. But I prayed, God. If you want me to go, you need to open the way. You need to open the way. And actually, one mindset, something that has been a key part of my life and ministry is what I call the radical prayer. And in essence, this is what the radical prayer is. It's a commitment to go where God wants you to go and do what he wants you to do. This is how I live my life, you know, in, in big things and in small things, in big decisions and in small decisions day to day. I want God to lead me into his already prepared good works for my life, as Ephesians 2 tells us. So anyway, I was there. I was 16. I, like, I want to serve God. I want to be involved in God's work. And I pray, God, if you want me to go to that trip, you need to open the way. You need to open the way. So I prayed. Some weeks passed. Then I get an answer in the mail that I could go to this trip. Even though I was only 16, they said, yeah, we still accept you. You can still come. So I was excited. Oh, nice. But I still had the, the issue of the money, right? The very same day, I went to my room in the dormitory. The very same day as I got the answer, right? And I go to the, to the room, and on the door, I find, actually, I have it here. I found this little paper bag with this brown tape on the, on the door. It looks like trash, to be honest. And I was about to throw it away because, you know, some of these kids, they're not so mature, and sometimes they're just throwing trash here and there. I thought it was trash, but I thought, well... Oh, well, I guess I'll take it into my room. So I took it into my room. Then I opened the bag and uh, there was a white paper there. I opened the paper, you know, and uh, as I opened the paper, nothing. It was just completely, completely white. And I was like, what is this? This is weird. This is trash. I put away the bag. But then somehow I picked it up one more time and I looked at it one more time. And in the bottom of, the, of this bag, I saw 500 crowns, which is about 50 euro. And uh, I was like, what? This is weird. That year, they had some theory. It's a Christian school. Not all of them are Christian. That year, some people had been stealing in the dorm, actually. And if you wanted to give people money, even the police had come there to try to find out what happened. If you wanted to give people money, you wouldn't put it in, especially in something that looked like trash, and tape it on the door where anyone could walk by. And I tried to ask people, where did this come from? I didn't find out. I didn't know anything, right? But basically, my first thought when, the, when I saw this money, this was, the, remember, the very same day as I got the answer in the mail, you know, that I can go to this trip, I felt that God said to me, I want you to go on that mission trip. I want you to go on that mission trip. And um, I will provide the money. This wasn't everything I needed. But to me, it was like God told me, I will provide the money. And what happened, I, I remember I knelt down in my dorm room there and I prayed and thanked God for opening the door for me to go to that trip. And I did. And he provided all the money I needed and more even, I think, from places I would have never imagined. And uh, that's my first mission trip. This was the beginning of my fantastic adventures in serving God. Since then, so many mission trips, many different countries, different continents, things I would have never imagined. Writing a couple of books, recording programs here on the air, TV, different things. And it's been such a blessing. And, you know, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's his voice... It is his invoice. If God leads you to do something, he'll provide everything you need. If he lays a burden on your heart, I think it's really an exciting way to live, to say, hey, God, you have a plan for my life, and I want to follow that plan day by day. And when you do, there are many blessings. Someone put it like this. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. God has a great purpose for your life. Everyone listening to this today. He has a purpose. He has a great purpose. You know, my big dream, actually, 
for many years, since I was like six years old, was to become a professional football player or soccer player, as some would say. I spent a lot of time playing soccer. This was my, my idol. This was so much time, my big dream. To me, it would have been a great honor and privilege. My dream was to one time represent, represent Sweden's national team in soccer. To me, that would have been a great honor, a great privilege, a great joy, very exciting. But when you think about it, as Christians, the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors in this world for the king and creator of this universe, for our redeemer. We are ambassadors. When you think about it, there is no greater privilege. There is nothing more exciting, nothing more meaningful, nothing more important, nothing that brings more true, deep meaning, joy, and peace that we could have been involved with in this world than to serve God. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are in your journey, seek God and try to find out what is his purpose for your life. I wouldn't exchange the life I'm living now against anything. I wouldn't exchange it against becoming a professional soccer player, which was my big dream. Not even if I became the best soccer player in the world. I wouldn't exchange it against, you know, earning 10 million euro each year. Not against anything, because I know this. I know this. The life that my creator and redeemer, the life that he leads me to live, is the best life I could ever live. And I know, beloved of God, that is listening to this program, I know that the same is the case for you, for every single one of you, the life that he wants to lead you to live, whatever it is, what he wants to lead you to do day by day, it's the best thing you can do. It's the best life you can live, a life you never need, need to regret and that you can be very happy that you chose. It's interesting. I would say it's amazing that you have had some amazing adventures in your life already. I think it's no coincidence, but you work with amazing facts having an amazing life you know sometimes when you listen to parents or let us say um, advisors or mentors who sometimes will want to point a young person along a particular path and it's as if they have become conflicted you know god's will versus the parental will so as you mentioned you know joachim yuchland wanting to be like i say a Lionel messi a christian ronaldo they are parents whose aspirations for their kids will be in a similar capacity. And the child saying, you know, I want to follow God. I want to give you a few minutes to speak to a parent or a mentor or some advisor who might be saying to the young person, no, this is not it. But the young person is sure that this is what God wants for him, for her. To speak to a parent, like help, help their children to find their, their way kind of thing or their purpose not standing in their path to say this is what you should do but allowing the child to listen to god's voice ah uh, yes you know i think counseling is one way god uses to help us find god's way and his will many times but um, it's important to do it prayerfully and humbly and to be open that sometimes god's way may be different you know than, than you might think for your child or for you it's uh, a sample it like this do you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> we should counsel and we should encourage, and I think that can play a role, but we need to do it prayerfully and humbly. God might have different plans than we first realized and that we would have expected. Uh, so it's important for parents and for everyone, for ourselves also to keep that in mind, uh, to trust not our own understanding, as it says. But I really like this topic, finding God's will for your life. I'm actually that's actually one of the main things I'm trying to help people with in my book that is actually being published in two months' time. It's just getting ready to send it to layout in, in a week, actually. Uh, so I really, really have a passion for that topic, and I've studied a lot. But anyway, I really like Proverbs 3, verse 5 uh, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So, you know... Of course, God also leads us through common sense. That's one way God also guides us. We need to be humble about it and, uh, and be careful that we don't come in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. We need to be willing to surrender. Sometimes we have this, oh, yes, I wish my child 
or myself to do this and this and this. We have our desires, which may be good. You know, God also gives us desires, but sometimes God's will is different than our will. So we need to be willing to surrender our plans and the plans for our children to God as he sees best. Yes. Speaking about, you know, books and being an author, well, in fact, you wear many hats. And I know this book that you are basically about to publish, it's not the first that you would have published. So just to, you know, provide some background to the audience, let's say they would like to get a copy of this book or any other books that you have, you know, published. You could just talk a little about, you know, what are some of those materials where they could actually source those books and any other interest they may have as it relates to getting a copy of your work. Right, yes. So uh, one place you can buy it in the US is through audioverse.org. Some of you might not know that ministry, audioverse.org. I'm hoping to, to actually create a website where I gather all my books and all materials uh, in connection with the publishing of this new book, uh, but it's not up and running yet. You will probably be able to find it soon on our website, all my books also, www.afco.europe.com. Afco.europe.com. And, or if you follow us on social media or myself on social media, Facebook, Instagram, you will be able to see where you can, can get a hold of the books. So the first book I wrote is, I call it A Prophet for This Generation, A Call to Receive God's Gift and Go Home. So I'm taking a look at the biblical gift of prophecy, which is actually God's main method of communicating with us, human beings today. He wants to guide us a lot through the gift of prophecy, through the word of God. And, and so I'm taking a look at the gift of prophecy, especially its role in the last days. The Bible talks about manifestations of the gift of prophecy in, in the last days, after the time of the Bible. And there are false, many false manifestations, but according to the Bible, we should expect true ones. So I have a big passion for that, the testament of Jesus, as it's called, the spirit of prophecy. So I'm taking a look at that gift and especially the importance and what role it should play in our lives today. The new book I'm writing, I'm calling it, What If There Is More? Question mark. Discovering a life of radical purpose. So I'm sharing there. I'm trying to inspire people to really choose God's plan and helping them to know how can they find God's plan and God's purpose for their lives and how can they fulfill their great God-given potential. I think so many people today, they settle for something so much less than what God has in mind for them in their Christian lives and also with their potential. God has more in mind for us than many people experience in their personal walks with God and in their ministry. And he wants us to aim high. He wants us to accomplish great things. He's a great God and he wants to do great things in this world. I'm really trying to help and inspire people to do that. And to basically walk into God's great plans for their lives. So I'm very passionate about it. It's been waiting too long. And I'm really keen on getting this message out. I love the first book too. And I've gotten a very good response at it. It's been translated into several languages. In Norwegian, in German, in Italian, in Lithuanian. What else? Hopefully soon in Czech also. And uh, Portuguese. I'm just going to ask you just to repeat the titles one final time and also the places persons can make their order. Yes, A Prophet for This Generation. It's called A Prophet for This Generation. I haven't put it on Amazon yet, actually, but I probably should. But reach out to AFCO or check out afco europe.com. afco europe.com should be able to, to find it there. And the new book... I'm planning to call it, what if there is more, question mark, discovering a life of radical purpose. Thank you. And I love what you are saying that within our lives, there's so much more. You know, Ellen White in the book, I think education says higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Godliness, godliness is a goal to be reached. You know, sometimes we put ourselves in a box or a bottle. And we say, okay, this is as far as I can go. But God wants to elevate us, as you have said. And it is also a message to me, <laughs> the interviewer. I want to touch a little on challenges that we face sometimes in our lives because we're not immune to challenges. 
what might have been one of the greatest challenges that you have faced in your life and also what was or what is your you know secret for overcoming or your secret for success in facing that or those challenges good question good question let me think one challenge is, is discouragement that's probably one of the biggest one sometimes you know you you had wished that you're you're really doing a work you're trying to reach people and maybe there are rejections and and it doesn't lead to decisions for Jesus as you had hoped when you have been studying the Bible with this person. So discouragement and, and kind of failure, you feel like this sermon I preached here, it wasn't so good, or this Bible study, or I shouldn't have said that. Discouragement, I think that's, that's a big one. One thing that has helped me a lot is to expect discouragement, expect trials, expect even opposition and, and lack of support. And, and also, I think we're too afraid of failure sometimes. We accomplish way too little because we don't dare to fail. But failure is a part of growing in ministry, in any skill you're learning, you fail on the way. And if we learn to look at failure as part of the process, and well, Ellen White, my favorite author, she has this statement. She talks about if we can learn from our failures, we can turn our failures into victory. And I think that's a, such a cool concept because everyone will fail. When you will do something, you will make mistakes. You will fail. Every time that happens, if you can view that like this, hey, if I can learn something from this, this is actually a victory. This is actually helping me towards success. So this is a mindset I've tried to have. I make mistakes all the time, but I'm pushing forward, trying to learn from that. And also this fact that we should expect to have these things. You know, I heard this illustration. I like this illustration. Someone shared about this dog. They had this German shepherd. It's a nice dog, you know, it doesn't bite. But every time this dog would see a car pull up outside the house, could be an Amazon service delivery car or something like this, you know. That dog, his name is Hero, he would start barking. Normally he's friendly, uh, he's a nice, he doesn't bite, he's nice. But when a car comes up, he gets crazy. It turns into this guard dog and you're like, man, completely different dog. Where did this dog come from, you know? Barking and barking like crazy. Every time when someone is driving up, you know, the car is coming there. But the thing is this, you would take that dog outside, outside of the house there in the countryside, and you could have a truck parked there and another car parked there and a trailer parked there. The dog would run around those vehicles without barking. Now, what is the point with that story? The thing is this, dogs don't bark at parked vehicles. They bark at moving vehicles. Dogs don't bark at parked vehicles. They bark at moving vehicles. The thing is this, when there is movement in the kingdom, when we are moving for the kingdom of God, the devil starts barking. The devil is not worried about parked vehicles. He's not worried about them. But when there is movement, when God is up to something, when God is about to do something to an individual, the devil will start barking. He will feel threatened. He will get upset. He will start to work through our, our circumstances to discourage us, to maybe have people say things and, you know, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. Sometimes even families or, or even church leaders that should have been supporting us, sometimes even they will be like, no, nah, I don't know if this is a good idea. But if you expect that Satan will try to hinder when you are about to do something good, when you're about to be used powerfully by God, expect trials, expect disappointment, expect opposition, but don't let that hinder you. Don't let that hinder you. Push forward. Seek out in prayer. Claim his promises. Look to Jesus. And you can push forward through any discouragement, through any challenge. God will help you. That's powerful stuff. When there's movement in the kingdom of God, then the devil <laughs> starts barking. I, I've never heard that one before, and I will ensure it never, ever slips my mind. As I listened to you speaking, I recall reading from a book, maybe about three or four hours ago, written by Pastor Dr. Ron Closey. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but what he shared in the book is basically synonymous with what you are saying that if you are doing evangelism for the sake of, let's say, meeting a quota from the conference to say, okay, you should baptize a certain amount of persons, then you don't need to pray. But if you are doing evangelism, believing that they are souls to be rescued, 
then you can expect that the devil is going to be upset and he's going to try many things to, to discourage or even to destroy you. Which brings me to this question, though. You know, sometimes persons, as you have shared before, they, with these discouragement that they may face, they struggle to follow God's plans for their lives. So maybe it has been revealed to them, this is what God wants me to do, but they struggle to follow or to accept God's plans for their lives. From your experience, why would you say, or why do you think there are so many individuals who basically find it difficult to trust God's plans for their lives? Mm, yes, that's a very good question. And I think that's um, a core reason why many people miss out of God's great purposes for them is that very, very doubt, lack of trust. Satan is certainly working actively to try to create such doubt. He's an expert, I think, to portray things in the false light. He tried to make make us think that if we truly follow God, that will be boring, it will be a burden, it will not be nice. And if we follow our own dreams and desires outside of the will of God, that will truly give us joy and happiness. But it's a lie. It's a lie. Years ago, when I was preaching in Romania, I was at this, I think, Impact Romania event. They took me to this um, church, this old Orthodox church, this spectacular building. And we walked around. It was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, we saw this nice big building and, you know, all these paintings in there. We could smell the incense. We could hear the, the mumbling words of the priest. That was hard to understand, even if you knew Romanian. And as we walked around there in that, that old church and, and took in all these impressions, there was especially one thing that stood out to me. There was especially one impression that that I remember from that experience, and that is the following. When I looked at the paintings inside of this church, when I looked at the faces of the people portrayed on these paintings, I noticed that no one looked happy. All of them looked rather sad. Now, I understand. I understand that people, you know, that are going to hell that's a very misunderstood topic by many people. But those who will experience the second death, eternal condemnation, the wicked people, the unrighteous, it makes sense to me that they might not be so happy in a portrayal like that, you know. But even the saints, even God's people, even the righteous in these paintings, they look rather, they looked rather sad. When I took in that impression, I was thinking to myself, what a sad portrayal of Christianity. What a sad portrayal of Christianity. But the good news is this. True Christianity, biblical Christianity, is not like that. It's not a sad religion. It's a joyous religion. God doesn't want to lead us to live a sad life. He wants to lead us to live a happy life, the happiest life we could ever live. One of my favorite quotes from my favorite author, Ellen White, she puts it like this. Those who in everything make God first and last and best are the happiest people in the world. Those who in everything make up first and last and best are the happiest people in the world. That's Messrs. Young People, page 38. So it's a lack of trust. It's so sad. You know, it's like when you think about it, our brain, what is that? It's like average about 1.5 kilo big. It's an amazing creation, you know, but, but it's like 1.5 kilo. God has created the universe with billions and billions of galaxies. And yet we, with our small little human brain that can't even see the future as God can, we think that we know better than God. <laughs> God have mercy, may God forgive us. Ah, oh, you know, Satan, he's a liar and he has made us doubt. But the truth is God knows what is best for us. And as we spend time in the word of God, as we spend time in prayer, as we choose to follow what God says and serve him, our trust in him will grow and it will grow step by step. And more and more, it will be easier and easier for us to, to make decisions in accordance with God's will, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging, even when it's hard to understand, because those times will come. I like this definition of faith. Faith, find it in the spirit of prophecy. Faith is trusting God, believing that he loves us and knows best what is for our good. Faith is trusting God, believing that he loves us and knows best what is for our good. That's faith. That's true faith. That's biblical faith. And when we really start to see and understand the love of God 
and what a good God he is. It will be easier and easier for us to choose to listen to everything God says. We will want to change every area of our life. We want to follow God in everything because God knows best. God knows best what is good for me physically, mentally, socially, spiritually. God knows best what I should work with, what should be my occupation. God knows best who I should marry. Any area of our lives, if he truly loves us and knows best, we just need to trust that. We just need to choose his plan and choose his will for our lives. I hope more and more as you hear testimonies, as you see how God is working in others' life, in your own life, as you read the Bible, as you read the word of God, your faith will grow. Actually, let's, let's go to Psalm 34. I want to read this promise here, especially for those who are not really sure. Can I really trust God? Uh, Psalm 34, a beautiful promise here that I want to encourage you with this little promise. Psalm 34, I probably know it by heart, actually, when I think about it. but. I guess we can turn there to make sure we quote the word of God correctly. Psalm 34, verse, verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I have tasted and I have found that God is good. It's a great thing to choose to follow his plan for your life. And I want to encourage you, dear beloved of God, are listening to these words. Try it out. Try to follow God. Try to follow him this week. Try to follow him this month. And you can see that he will give you peace. He will give you joy. It's a good decision. And you will grow in faith when you try it. Seek me, God says also in Jeremiah 29, 13. Seek me with all your heart and you will find me. There's a saying, I don't know if I'm saying it verbatim, word for word, but I will try to paraphrase where it says, the reward for hard work. <laughs> it's more work. And I say that, you know, to transition to this question, what do you think that God is inviting you to do right now? I know you are pretty busy. You serve as director of AFCO Europe. You also serve as pastor for one of the churches in your neck of the woods, as we'd say, and you do many other things. So what do you think God is inviting you to do right now? It's a good question. Years ago, when I was applying to go to a mission school, which is a great thing to do, it was such a blessing for my life and for many, many people I know. And my pastor actually wrote on that uh, reference uh, for, for me, my application. One thing he wrote there, I had never thought about it before, but he wrote, I'm a visionary. I'm a visionary. And I think it's, it's true. God inspires me with ideas. When he gives me a vision, I try to fulfill it, you know. And I guess if you do, he will give you more ideas and more things. So, yeah, I've been involved with a lot of things since I got involved in ministry at the age of 17, like 15 years ago now. So, yeah, AFCO Europe is a big thing. We're still kind of developing that ministry. Then the local church, exciting Bible studies going on, many good contacts and things growing church here. Otherwise, yeah, I have the book project soon going to be launched. I have some other books I want to write in the future as well. I also just got elected as the president of ASI Scandinavia. So I'm excited about trying to help to develop that organization. And there are some exciting uh, initiatives connected with that. Well, I actually had a meeting, what is that, like two hours ago, looking into an initiative to try to develop... Uh, my favorite author, Christian author, have been really leading so many people to Jesus and to the Word of God, Ellen White, to produce audiobooks in the Scandinavian languages of her books. So that's an initiative, by God's grace, we'll, we'll hopefully start on soon. Seems like the doors are opening up there. I have a passion for publishing in general and to get out things like this, you know, audio, video, spread the Word of God in different ways. Well, I like this saying, backwards, never, onwards ever backwards never onwards ever that's one of my mottos one of my mottos is this only the beginning what god has done in my life and through me so far many blessings i would have never imagined i praise god for what he has done but by god's grace i want that to be only the beginning and i think god wants us to have this mindset he wants us to reach the world my favorite animal is the kangaroo and the reason for that is this they're pretty cool they look cool but one really interesting thing about the kangaroo is did you know that they can't walk backwards. They can't walk backwards. They, they only walk forward. And that's how God wants our Christian lives to be and our ministries to be. Backward never, 
onward ever. He wants us to push forward, to keep developing, to keep learning. And that's how finally the gospel will reach to all the world. And then the end shall come, as it says in Matthew 24, Jesus said. Yeah, so that's a little glimpse, some of the initiatives I have. I'm never bored. I always have more things, that kind of ideas, that things, oh yeah, that could be done, that could be done. But it's exciting. And I'm trying to, also through leadership and inspiration and training, to raise up more and more workers and to involve people in initiatives, you know, like, oh man, we should do this. And try to involve people uh, through my circle of influence and, and people I meet at events and, and at the school to use their talents, their God-given talents, to build up God's work and to help to push forward the work of the everlasting gospel, the greatest news ever given uh, to mankind. Well, the last question I will throw at you, hope it's one of the easiest, you know, in terms of finding balance, you know, that, that is something that some persons struggle with, or sometimes maybe not so much struggle with, but sometimes they misconstrue the idea of balance. So in your life, with working as a professional, dealing with setbacks, disappointments, and all of this, you know, how do you find that balance in your own life? Very important question. Some of our pioneers of our church, they worked themselves to death. And um, even if you work for a good cause, it can be too much, right? So it's a very important question. To me, I've always prioritized taking care of my health. I work hard. I love what I do. Someone put it like this, choose a job that you like and you will never have to work a day of your life. So to me, you know, it's kind of like a passion. I love what I'm doing and then it's not as tiring. But, but even if you do, you're active, your responsibilities, it can be too much, right? So I've always prioritized, and I think that's very important, to take care of my health physically, mentally, socially, spiritually. I always prioritize sleep highly. I always prioritize eating good exercise every day. I've done mostly running the last years, but also walking different things. Exercise. I think that's very important. Take care of your health. And sometimes, as it has been said, it says about Jesus' disciples, when he called them apart to rest a while, as it says in the Bible, it says that it was their duty to rest. Sometimes it is also our duty to rest, to recharge our batteries, to relax, to go out in nature, to carefree. The Sabbath, of course, is an important part there too. Every week, to just, however much you have to do for 24 hours, just close down what you need to do, relax. And when you do that, make that a priority. You will actually do more. You'll be able to do more. When you prioritize those kind of things, when you prioritize rest, when you prioritize learning and growing also, I like how I think it was Abraham Lincoln. He said, if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, I would spend six sharpening the axe. So spending time to develop, relax, you'll be more efficient every time after I go for a run. You know, I'm much more effective when I work on something afterwards, you know, and you feel good, you know, you get a boost in your whole body. So yeah, balance is very important to take care of yourself. And um, when you do, you'll be able to do more. You will live longer and stronger and God will be able to bless more people through your ministry. Amen. Taking the time out to rest, it's so important. As you say, you feel refreshed and it allows you the opportunity for God to bless your ministry. I hope the listeners would have really gotten that part because, you know, when I was much younger, I was taught a poem, you know, labor for learning before you grow old, for learning is better than silver and gold. Silver and gold will vanish away, but a good education will never decay. And so what you have just shared with us is a good education, that resting, it's so important. I want to say thanks for taking the time out to share with us your story today. For my listeners, my guest today is Joachim Yachland. He serves as the director of Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism Europe. We refer to that as AFCO. But just before you go, Joachim, do you have any parting or final words to share with our listeners? Yes, thank you very much. It's been fun to be here. I've enjoyed it. And I wish all the best to everyone listening in. And I hope you have been blessed. I want to encourage you, if you do not currently have a personal living relationship with Jesus, I really want to encourage you to develop that, to seek out, open the word of God. This is the best-selling book of history. This is a treasure. Check it out. Start in the New Testament, read the Gospels, read the book of Genesis, and seek God and spend that time. He's a wonderful God, a God that is worthy to be loved, a God that is worthy to be served. So 
I guess my first encouragement would be to seek him, seek him, really give him an honest chance in your life fully if you haven't done that. And I want to encourage you also to be all in, to be all in. This is especially if you're already a Christian, maybe don't just follow God a little bit. Then it's boring. It's boring to be a lukewarm Christian. Be all in. That's when it starts to get exciting. Surrender your life and all to him. Choose his plan for your life and get involved in serving him with the talents he has given you and seek to find his purpose for your life. Best way you can live. I like this quote also. This is from the book Testimonies for the Church, volume 7, page 49. It says, it is in unselfish ministry that true happiness is found. It is in unselfish ministry that true happiness is found. So I really want to encourage you, don't settle for anything less than God's plan for your life, than his fantastic adventures for his life. Maybe you can read that. That's one of my favorite verses that have really shaped my life. Ephesians 2.10. It says here, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like how one, one translation puts it. You're God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus. God, before you were born, he had a plan for your life. It's nothing greater, nothing more exciting. I want to encourage you to seek him, to choose that plan for your life and to be involved in serving God in any way you can. If you're a doctor, if you're a firefighter, you may save lives. But when you think about it, when you serve God, you save lives for eternity. Nothing more important, nothing more meaningful, nothing more exciting. I look forward to one day, hopefully I will hear your story, hear your testimonies, hear how God used you. And I want to see the people in heaven that are there because of how God used you to have an impact in their life. That would be such a wonderful day, such a wonderful reward, an exciting thing that you don't want to miss out on. So God bless you all so much. Uh, I just wish you all the best, and um, it's been a pleasure to be here with you. Saving lives for eternity, that's a powerful note on which to end on. You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on, on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. Or you can visit our Upward Way Facebook page, Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.